Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Joshua Roth, Chief Information Security Officer with Chalk Children's. I'm Anthony Guerra, Founder and Editor-in-Chief. Josh, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Great. Looking forward to a fun chat. Um, Josh, can you start off by telling me a little bit about your organization and your role? So organization Chalks Children's Hospital of Orange County is one of the leading hospitals in Southern California for uh, treating children. And um, my role, obviously, is to protect that organization as the chief information security officer. Um, I stepped into this role about, I think it's been about 10 months uh, I've been in this role at Chalk, so I'm still relatively new to the organization. Excellent. Excellent. All right. You want to tell me a little bit about your career journey, how you wound up in healthcare IT security? Sure. So I've been doing security for quite some time. Uh, over, gosh, it's probably been 20 years. I actually started out uh, in networking in my journey uh, within IT. And uh, at back in Gosh, 2005, I worked for a city, and uh, it was then that kind of security didn't exist back then. So I, I'm one of those people that kind of came up in cybersecurity as it evolved as an actual entity and an organization. So for most of us that kind of in that time period, we, we got to be part of the journey of what cybersecurity ended up being. So I started out in a city doing networking, and then with that kind of had to own firewalls and that's when things were getting really interesting and and uh it just kind of kicked off my journey i was very interested in it i ultimately ended up at uh, kaiser permanente um i spent a great deal of time at kaiser permanente i started in 2007 and i went until about 2011 and then i uh spent some time in big four consulting doing cyber cybersecurity and privacy and then ended up back at uh kaiser permanente where i i've spent gosh, the past nine years before joining Chalk. Mm -hmm. Very good. So you said you've been at Chalk, uh, Chalk about 10, 11 months. Um, can you give me any uh, insight into what you've tried to do in that time period to acclimate yourself, to, to, to understand the state of uh, cyber at the health system, what needs to be done, sort of you know, the, I don't see any, oh my God, we better take care of that today moments versus, <laughs> you know, stuff you want to work on down the road. Um, but just your best advice for how to, how anyone can start as a CISO in a new health system and the things they want to accomplish within the per first perhaps, perhaps six months or the first year. Um, I think the most important thing from my perspective is know the business. Obviously, I was in healthcare for quite a while at Kaiser, but being the big behemoth that it was, I wasn't as close to the clinical space, mm -hmm. um, being that it was such a large enterprise. So coming here was definitely a change for me because I was very much uh, um, now involved in kind of the day-to-day -day operations of an actual hospital. Um, when I worked for Kaiser, I, I wasn't really, people always ask me, what hospital did you work at? Well, I worked at none of them. The only time I went there is as a patient. Right. Um, so with Chalk, I'm all about business enablement. I think it's very important that uh, I get to know the business. I build that bi-directional 
trust and dialogue and collaboration with the business. So that was first and foremost for me is making sure that um, that I have an opportunity to talk to uh, all my key um, colleagues in the organization. Secondary to that, it's it's doing that. You know, the first ninety days as a CISO is looking at your um, your people, the processes, the technology stack. Um, being an organization like ours, you're going to have managed services as well. So looking at the quality you're getting out of those, and and um, really assessing the overall picture with those four foundational items. So that's that's the approach I took. I built a um, a two year kind of out the gate strategy based on what I saw in those areas. Uh, and uh, I, I think it was important to do that, of course. Uh, and uh, with that, we did flush out quite a few things that, uh, first and foremost, I will say chalk in, in the absence of uh, my position there previously for a time, they did very well. Um, I came into the organizations, I was pleasantly surprised by some of the uh, security uh, capabilities that they had in place. Um, but there was also some low hanging fruit and things that uh, um, we jumped on right away that uh, I observed and, and thought was very important for the organization. So we were able to execute pretty quickly. That's that's one difference here compared to a larger organization. I'm a little more agile here than I'm used to at uh, the larger organization that I was at previously. Yeah, I would imagine there's there's some sort of uh, every CISO who starts in a new place probably wants to get in and find that low hanging fruit, that really important, critical low hanging fruit. Like I want to know when I start, I want to know if there's anything really critical that's not in place. Like, so we can boom, get that done. Let's get, let's get those band-aids put on any real issues. So that's probably something you want to do right away. I would imagine. Absolutely. And there, there was a, there was a list of things, uh, uh, you know, one resources, uh, the team was, relatively small i managed to get uh, additional headcounts kind of right out the gate and uh and uh do some hiring um that helped a lot um there was some technology stacks that either uh were projects that needed i needed to get fast tracked or prior reprioritize um i made some in immediate investments quite frankly mm-hmm. in some technology stack that uh we needed as well so um Definitely important to to look at you know the risk. Obviously, when you look at cybersecurity and healthcare in 2022, it was a record year for us when it came to cyber threats against hospital organizations. I, I think it more than doubled. Uh, children's hospitals were obviously part of that target. A lot of children's hospitals made news due to ransomware attacks in 2022. You think about Boston um, with the FBI involved in thwarting that attack uh, from a nation state. Um, there's a couple hospitals on the East Coast as well, children's hospitals that were greatly impacted by um, ransomware. So that was another thing that I did coming in right away is, is definitely looking at the incident response. Uh, I held a very large tabletop exercise um, that involved the whole hospital uh, business as well as part of my first uh, 10 months in the organization. Um, did some penetration testing right away, make sure we were... Um, you know, we don't have any um, exposure out there that uh, puts it as, us at a greater risk. So you've had a very busy 10 months. It's been very busy. Yes. <laughs> well, you want to get the house in order, right? So you want to get everything straightened out, any issues you see. Um, lots of stuff there. When you talk about um, 
building relationships and getting to know the business. Um, we're talking about the rest of the C-suite. Um, to what degree are we also talking about the clinical leaders? Clinical leaders, actually, probably, I mean, the C-suite, uh, you know, I met quite a few of them during the interview process and, and got to talk to them um, a couple of times since then. But it, it, my focus really was in that clinical space and some of the leads uh, in that space. So that that actually, because they're the boots on the ground, that's, that's really where I uh, took my uh, efforts to uh, meet people and talk through, uh, you know, any challenges that they're having and what concerns them. I talk a little bit about threat landscape, of course, educating them, always take an opportunity to educate and, uh, mm -hmm. and learn and, and learn from them too, quite frankly. Right. And uh, any consistent theme you hear uh, back from them about their issues? Is it usually about I have to log in five times or I keep getting kicked out of the system? And it's sort of that, um, you know, uh, clinician satisfaction type stuff, things that slow them down. Well, you you absolutely know one of the key areas. So uh, obviously, when I talk about business enablement, I'm all I'm, I am talking about that overall user experience. And, mm -hmm. and so you kind of hit the nail on the head there with uh, uh, the the one item that uh, you stated there. So so that that definitely is one of the spaces. You know, we're we're, we're customer service driven. I want to have a good experience when uh, uh, when users are. Um, our associates are using our tools um, and they use our tools every day. Identity is a big one. You know, how do we make things easier for uh, uh, our associates and the organization when it comes to uh, their credentials and how they log into systems? Right. And keep them moving through so the systems. Yeah. That's definitely a hot item there. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, we've made tremendous headway in that space um, just since then. So, uh, I'm happy to report we're we're on that journey there to to make things uh, easier for our folks. You know, you talked about coming in and doing some things. You know, I would imagine when you you're have when you're interviewing places as a, as a CISO, you're interviewing uh, organizations. You know, you you want to know that they have a certain approach to security, right? To be comfortable to work there, you want to know it's respected and you're going to be heard, and and it's not just you know, you do your thing, but stay out of the way type of thing, right? So, um, you know, how much can you find out about a prospective organization? What do you want to find out uh, to make you comfortable as a security leader working there? We know John Henderson, your CIO. I assume you report to him. Great guy. He's spoken on webinars for us before. Um, there's certain things you want to hear when you interview. Tell me about that process, and, and and if you can find out anything beyond that about actually what's what they have in place to to find out the maturity of the security, so you don't come in and it's not oh my god. Yeah, so uh, I, I look at it two ways there when interviewing um, for an organization. First and foremost, I have a personal connection to Chalk, and 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 quite frankly, after my time in the larger healthcare system, it. It was very near and dear to me to remain in the healthcare space, preferably the nonprofit healthcare space. Like I said, I have a special connection to Chalk personally, and mm -hmm. uh, so you know, for me, it's an honor to be in this organization. Um, just given what this organization does for the community and for uh, the families that it serves, so I will state that when it comes to looking at the organization, obviously, I'm 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 not coming into an organization that 
is fully mature where I'm expecting to just throw my feet up on the table and uh, let things <laughs> run. Um, I, you know, I'm, I, I welcome the challenge. I mean, that, that, that's been part of my career um, uh, since I've been in IT is, is the, the, you know, that passion to, to work on those challenges. So obviously I wasn't looking at for an organization that's ultimately in its most mature uh, form. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to answer your question further during the interviewing process, you know, I obviously I'm going to ask, uh, I asked about the makeup of the team, um, where it fits in the organization. And I asked for an honest opinion on what the culture of the organization was. Um, that was a big one. And then one of the key areas there too is you, you ask questions about the budget. Um, mm-hmm. You want to know where the cybersecurity falls within the budget. It, it, that'll kind of give you a sense of the priority of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the board, you know, ask about the board members, ask about uh, cybersecurity questions in the board. Uh, um, you know, what what does past presentations, how often you're reporting to the board. Um, I think those are very important because that gives you a sense of how important it is for the organization. I think, you know, the the threat landscape, obviously, I stepped into, again, I'm going back to that, you know, ransomware, there's been a tremendous uptick in healthcare organizations, uh, you know, they see that news too. So they very much know. And uh, if I'm getting questions from people in the organization, it's actually a good thing. Right. Um, I'm very open door. If, if they're sending me random emails asking me questions about threats, I don't get offended if they're saying, hey, are we cool with this one? Um, you know, because that means they're they're, they're paying attention. That's a really good point, um, that questions are good, board interest is good, um, as opposed to going in a place that, you know, the board never asks about cyber, because then you're probably not going to get a lot of money in the budget. There might be a coordination right. there, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, the C-suite level, everybody is great. Uh, I actually met one-on-one with our CEO. She, she was... I came in there with an agenda and we ended up sitting down and talking about just cybersecurity in general. Um, she she very much shows that she has a vested interest in, in what we're doing. And uh, it was just a very informal discussion about uh, all things cybersecurity and, you know, kind of even went into the, how do I protect myself personally? And it, that's obviously very important uh, for some of the key uh, individuals in your organization is you're not just protecting them in their workplace, you're, you're educating them and helping facilitate uh, reducing risk in their personal lives as well, because it does cross over, especially at that level. I'm guessing that the conversations and the interactions with, with clinicians are completely different than they would have been five years ago. Um, the level of understanding about cybersecurity from seeing these ransomware incidents where health systems are knocked offline for days or weeks, no clinician that cares about providing care and understands the degree to which it depends on the technology that they use every day can be indifferent to cybersecurity. It's inconceivable. So I'm guessing you get a lot of um, interaction, a lot of support. Uh, Is that the case? I, I feel I do when I when I go out into the business. Uh, absolutely, uh, you know, it's top of mind to them when they're speaking to me. So they're asking the right questions. Of course, they're always going to uh, 
you know, our fishing awareness training type activities or, uh, you know, it's kind of funny when I talk to him, it's like, oh, you tried to trick me. And it's like, well, I'm not trying to trick you. We're trying uh-huh. to educate you. And uh-huh. uh, we've, we've even made a lot of changes there, you know, click rates and our fishing awareness training have gone down. Gosh, just in the past 10 months, I think the last one we did right before the holidays, um, we reduced the click rates on our, our awareness campaign emails by probably more than 50%. Wow. Um, which is good. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at the healthcare space too, and you think about the ransomware, I think what people will probably see is the fact that, you know, the organizations have to go into downtime procedures and, and oftentimes to paper. And, and I think one of the challenges that healthcare organizations have is you've got, you've got a younger, um, you, your clin- clinical space is getting younger and their reliance on, te- on technology and all fairness to them is due to the fact that we have all the technology here. Mm-hmm. They're, if we go to downtime procedures, they're, they have less experience or almost mm-hmm. no experience going into that method of doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. So it makes things more difficult in my opinion. So I work very closely with, uh, you know, our emergency response teams or business continuity teams in, in, you know, obviously the top discussion is going to be uh, around some of the exercises is downtime procedures because, uh, you know, we got to make sure that, you know, this, you know, the younger generation of folks coming in and, and doing clinical work here are prepared in the event that we have to go to paper in a downtime procedure um, situation. Tell me about the, the relationship between uh, IT security IT and emergency management, whatever you call that department. That department's the one that's supposed to make sure that the health system can withstand anything, right? Tornado, hurricane, whatever. So do we think of an IT incident as having to tuck under and be one of the things that they are in charge of? So the CISO has to come in and say, hey, this is how a cyber event could unfold but they're going to manage it as part of their purview of managing everything. So my real question is to what degree, what does the CISO supposed to do to ensure their organization is ready to handle a cyber incident, including downtime procedures? Do you tuck under uh, emergency management or do you lead it? Um, in it's, So it's, it's kind of a collaboration. So in, in preparation that they've got, the team that runs the emergency uh, and the business continuity. Um, in fact, I just had a meeting with them yesterday. Um, I'm at the table for those. So that's that's obviously very, very important to make sure you're at the table for those because uh, it, it is going to be one in the same with respects to how we potentially respond uh, if systems are down. It doesn't matter if it's systems are down due to a cyber incident or systems are down due to the fact that, you know, a truck, you know, plowed into the electrical grid or something like right. that. Um, uh, they have a command center. We we pretty much kind of have the IT command center. So I wouldn't say we tuck under them. It's more of collaboration. Uh, we, you know, I think the important thing here uh, with it is when you're doing your exercises that, you know, regardless of what that exercise is, that uh, all parties are at the table. So when I did the big cybersecurity uh, um, tabletop exercise a couple months ago, 
um, they played a very important role in that exercise. So it, I wouldn't say we tuck under, but it, it, the command center, we, we definitely um, will be part of that command center and have our kind of our separate command center for the, the folks who are tactically in the IT space, tactically working on the, you know, the response, the mitigation of a threat. Uh, I think it is important to kind of separate those things so the people that need to focus on that stuff aren't distracted by the larger group. Um, so that's kind of the way we look at it. I think the large organizations are probably set up uh, very similar. Do you think, I mean, I, I one of the things I've been talking to people about, sort of concerned about is um, it falling through the cracks and nobody really uh, running it in terms of uh, making sure organizationally the, the organization is ready to handle a cyber incident where you have to go to paper. Um, it sounds like maybe it's just very important for the CISO and to have a discussion with emergency management and say, hey, I just want to see, you know, I want to make sure that that we're considering a cyber outage in your plans. That's, that's one of your scenarios. Where I'm going to help you. I want to work with you to work through this, but this has got to be a piece of what you're looking at. It can't just be tornadoes and floods. Is that something that needs to be done or is everybody doing it? Am I concerned about nothing? If they're, I, I would hope everybody's doing it. We're mm -hmm. absolutely doing it. If they're not doing that, I think they absolutely need to be doing it. Uh, you know, my organization uh, within IT if a cyber attack were to take place and we had to go into downtime procedures, I can't manage the downtime procedures. That's going to be, you know, that that's when they're activating uh, business continuity um, response in that kind of that emergency um, a command center. So it, it, it absolutely coordination, that continuous dialogue, you know, the muscle memory of it. So that's when we have our business continuity meetings and, and I'm having my meetings separately, we're, we're constantly talking cybersecurity events are part of that conversation mm -hmm. every time, mm -hmm. every single time. So absolutely. I think both sides, we collaborate continuously on what it would look like in an event. So if other organizations aren't doing that at that level, they need to be doing that. What could a, a, a ransomware scenario look like um, in terms of your involvement? I mean, would it be the kind of thing where, you know, it pops up on the screens that, you know, we've got, you've been locked out of your systems and you got to pay us Bitcoin or whatever it is. You either see it, you get alerted to it. You're now somewhat in the driver's seat of ascertaining what's going on, working with the CIO to figure out what's going on, possibly calling the FBI, calling emergency management, making a recommendation about what needs to be done. Do we need to take everything down? You're not going to shut everything down. What's interesting, especially here, are the discussions I get into with biomedical engineering folks who talk about, whoa, 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 you can't just shut off our devices, right? Somebody could be getting treatment on these right now. So it's just wild to think when you play this stuff out, the different scenarios, the different conversations, you're making recommendations, perhaps, and not decisions. You're making recommendations to the CIO who is perhaps then taking that up Ultimately, this may be a CEO level decision, probably is, but just take me through a little bit of that, what, what your thoughts are there. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, you look at some of the events that have occurred uh, just in 2022, uh, uh, you know, not naming the hospital, but, there, you know, when we when I created my cybersecurity tabletop exercise um, this year, when you looked at that tabletop exercise, the injections that we put into it, the scenarios that we kind mm-hmm. of played out through that exercise, it it looked apocalyptic. It, yeah. it was like you're, you're talking about phones down. You're talking about internet down. And when, if you rely on Office 365, you suddenly don't have that. We're not even communicating via Teams anymore. Right. Um, you know, you've got you know, the, the, the EMR system down. All this kind of scenarios happen. And uh, going through that exercise, you know, I though nobody came out and said it, I know they're thinking in their head that this is impossible. That this would not happen. It would not be this grand of an incident. Well, guess what? We literally mimicked uh, uh, what actually happened at a hospital organization just the month prior. So it's not like we had this pie-in-the-sky grand scenario that would never happen. We actually mimicked what happened at another hospital. Um, When it comes to, you know, the responses to it, uh, it, some of it comes down to tooling. So the technology stack is going to be very important. You know, can you isolate systems? Can you easily detect the blast radius? How quickly are your resources going to be able to kind of understand the, the source of the attack or the type of attack that's occurring? So a lot of factors go into play just with your people, your processes, and your technology. So your instant response plans, your playbooks, um, you know, constantly exercising those, validating those uh, along with your technology is going to be very, very important because you're right. Med device now, if the med devices are down because of the ransomware, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if you're deciding what you need to further protect and you've got med devices on the network that are operating now, yeah, I, I think turning those off is not an option. However, from a technology perspective, you can do things like isolate. Um, you have network segmentation capabilities. You can do network segmentation at the macro level. You've got um, you know, endpoint solutions that can uh, lock down systems or, or uh, basically prevent that kind of lateral movement of uh a potential threat in the organization, but understanding the blast radius of what occurred is going to be very important in that first 10 minutes, you know, hopefully even sooner. I think, you know, my goal with the technologies is to how quickly can we assess the impact to the organization, you know, before we make this. And so when I do go to the, you know, emergency management and to my leaders that, we have an understanding. One of my worst nightmares would be going to them and saying, hey, we got ransomware. I have no clue. It's <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't want to be in a situation where we feel like we just got to shut everything down. Uh, that's, you know, in a healthcare organization, that is scary. Uh, I want to be able to say, hey, ransomware started here. It's hitting these systems. We're locking those down um, and continually assessing to make sure we don't have any more lateral movement. So if we can isolate a threat early, um, it'll minimize the impact to the organization. Yeah, and one of the things that's really interesting to me is, as you talk about shutting down systems, is the communication from IT and IT security to the clinicians and the users of those systems. What kind of warning do they get? How much time? Is it, I'm shutting you off in five minutes? Is it, I'm shutting you off in, in an hour? Like, And are they ready? You know, Do they have any muscle memory at that point? Have they developed any to, to know what to do at that point? You know, who's the right person to get on the phone? What if that person's on vacation? Who's the next person? All these kind of scenarios. 
Yeah, so we we have all that spelled out, and mm-hmm. we also have tooling in place to for immediate notifications to uh, the organization. So I feel like, you know, kind of going to that, you know, the whole scenarios around disaster, a lo- the cl- clinical space is trained on that pretty heavily, um, and how we communicate is. is whether it's ransomware or priority one, like a, a SEV one type incident, the mechanisms that we use to communicate with folks is how we would do it. Um, we we have certain shifts to people that are always there. It's not always the same person, but there is a roles in the organization that are, are clearly spelled out of who or how we contact them and, and the instruction that they're given. So this is the job, right? I mean, you can't be caught unawares when this happens. You have to have prepared your organization, done your best, documented things to put it to put yourself in a position to the organization. Where, right? Remember the term business continuity, right? Yeah. I mean, how do we keep delivering care? It's a large, a large uh, part on the CISO for that, right? It is. You know, it's. I think. You know when I'm in meetings and even prior to me being in the position, anytime I was in a meeting with the, the CISO, somebody always asks the questions when it comes to Q and a, what keeps you up at night? Right, um, right. And, and absolutely. Um, if there's, if there's one thing to pick, it's that, uh, you know, that obviously any event, but a large scale event would, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. definitely we, uh, yeah, we train for it continuously. We're we're constantly, you know, evolving to be in front of it. But you won't know until it hits. Um, obviously, it's going to be a very important post uh, uh, event to you know lessons learned uh, right. and, and and understanding some of the gaps that you you need to address as part of that as well. So it, I mean, that's that's part of the job. You know, being this uh, being in this position. You know, you have to evolve continuously. There's, there's no down day for you. Uh, you're, you're always going to, uh, you know, uh, be uh, trying to stay one step ahead. And uh, it takes a lot of effort with your people, your technology stack. Um, you know, talking to the organization as a whole because they're, you know, the organization is our kind of our last line of defense too. Um, I, I very much preach to see something, say something, even in the, you know right. the, the IT world. Right. Um, what would be one or two of the trends that that uh, in addition we talked about ransomware um, things like that? Any other trend that you're looking at trying to make sure your organization is positioned to deal with? Um, you know, email is still one of the top threat vectors so you know i'm always luckily you know our stack is really good there but uh you know constantly staying on top of you know kind of the threats that are evolving that that space is is kind of important but i i think some of the key areas is probably going to be that supply chain that that vendor risk area and, and how we address that especially in the healthcare space, you know, a, a lot of third parties and, you know, there's standards that we're holding people accountable now that, you know, maybe two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, that it's, it's, it, it's not something they were asked. Mm-hmm. So when you have vendors coming in, you know, you're, you know, they're hosting your feed and you're suddenly asking for a sock too. And they're, you know, they're, Oh no. Um, it, it's an expectation now. Um, we've got to manage risk in the organization. So I think, you know, a vendor risk, it would, we can put as much 
um, mitigation of threats in our environment, we we can. Well, first of all, we would never be like bulletproof, but we can make it as tight as possible. But at the end of the day, healthcare organizations, like many organizations, rely on a lot of third parties, and the, to me, that's 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 going to be my biggest risk area is the third parties and ensuring that you know they're not compromised. Yeah, and one of the big issues I hear about with that is, you know, you talked about them being held to a higher standard. So you could have, you know, dozens, hundreds of vendors that work with the organization. They come up for renewal and you're asking them to reach a higher standard of security. Well, sometimes you're being notified that that renewal's up when there's like five minutes left to sign the thing. And you're saying, hey, this is where they need to be now. And then there's this big rush and, well, there's no time. We don't have time for that. We just have to sign and you're saying, well, I need to get ahead of this. So is is that a dynamic you see going on? And what could be done about that? There are cases where that happens. Uh, luckily, the organization's pretty in front of it on how we, you know, we we monitor our, our contracts mm-hmm. um, to try to stay in front of those. We have intake processes. Um, those will happen. Uh, I think, you know, if it's an existing if it's an existing vendor and it's a renewal and we are assessing their security uh, and the risks associated with doing business with them, just because it's due doesn't mean they're going to be off the hook. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, especially for that existing vendor, because they're there already. We're already mm-hmm. using their, their services or their applications. So it's not like I can shut things down. They're part of the business processes. Um, but it doesn't mean that they get a, a, a free pass. Um, we're, we're still going to assess them. We're still going to work with them and, and we're still going to have to kind of make a determination on risk acceptance. All right. Just as a final question, um, is there any sort of, you know, your experience, your years with Kaiser Permanente, you're now with Chalk Children's, any piece of advice you would have uh, that sort of helped you and, and worked for you in your career for other folks in your position at, you know, at other institutions uh yeah um yeah i i talked about you know coming in and and looking at your your you know your people your processes your technologies your managed services but i think one of the key areas for me that's uh allowed me to be successful is is my people as well um i at at kaiser for that that nine years before i left the organization to come to chalk i had uh I think 14 direct reports with 0% attrition, nobody left me in Mm. nine years. Mm. Um, So uh, I I think investment in your people um, is very important. And and that's really, you know, building that, that bi-directional trust, inclusion Mm -hmm. um, as part of that. And, you know, mutual accountability is very important. So um, your resources, especially in cybersecurity, where it's tough to find them, are going to yeah. be very, very important assets to you, the most important asset to you. So, you know, really making sure that, you, you know, you're a CISO and you're fighting the battle with threats, make sure that you're paying attention to your people. Great, great point. And a great interview, Josh. I want to thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me.